0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham,
1: Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Okay, welcome everyone. This is the Faith and Family class. We've been talking about parent traps the last few weeks, and mine is comparison. I'm Abby Hicks. I'm Zach's wife. He's on staff here. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here thank you for health and peace and a moment to worship with your people i pray this morning that you would show us jesus and show us his deep love for us in your name we pray amen sorry if you can't see that i'm kind of standing in front of it but today we're going to talk about comparison and I, as i started to think about it i was almost overwhelmed with the amount of comparison we do in our lives and I think it even goes back to the Bible, you know, the very, very beginning in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned. I'm going to read to you a passage out of Genesis 3. This is Genesis 3, 6 and 7. Um, and it talks about the serpent. And he says to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die but the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like god knowing good and evil so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate and the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and then a few verses down later is when god comes to them and The man said to God, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And I think, you know, in that moment, what they're feeling is shame. You know, they knew they were not supposed to eat. They did it anyway. The woman wanted to be wiser. You know, she was comparing herself to this, to the angels, to God, to the serpent. And she thought, I want to be wise. And so very immediately in the Bible, I think part of our curse is that we feel ashamed. We feel like we don't measure up. We're always comparing them. Do I have enough? Am I enough? And so I think that we are prone to doing that just as Christians, as people. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what that looks like. I think we will compare ourselves to other parents. We compare our children to other children, and I think for those of us that have multiple children, we're even comparing our children to our other children, and then we compare our family to other families. So I wanted to start, um, that was, we just talked about Genesis, how we're prone to compare, and then we compare ourselves to other parents. Firstly, I think through rules. You know, We'll say, oh, they're too permissive, or they're too restrictive. Uh, We'll compare ourselves through relationships, you know, I know you see families where you think, they've got a great relationship with their kid, or they're too much their child's friend, or they're too authoritarian, they're, you know, too harsh with their child. We compare decisions, you know, they let their kids sign up for this, they let their kids go here, I let my kids do this, or eat that food, or go to bed at this time. We're always comparing decisions that we make where they go to college, what other schools they go to. Uh, responsibilities. You know, I'm going to make my child get a job at 16 and pay for car insurance. I'm going to make my kid nap till kindergarten. I'm going to make my child pay rent if they move back home after college. I'm going to make my child do regular chores. He's getting an allowance. He's not getting an allowance. You know, we're always, always comparing. Um, and the last thing I would say is we compare, we compare parenting styles. You know, I do it this way. I do it that way. Um, if there's one thing I know we all feel like we struggle as parents that's probably why we're here but if there's one thing I all know we get an A plus in it would be comparison we just cannot stop comparing our parenting our children ourselves to others um, I wanted to read in Luke 2 this is an interesting story um, early in the chapter in Luke is when it talks about, and this is the only gospel that talks about this, but when Jesus is a baby, uh, it doesn't say exactly how old, but his parents take him to the temple, and I'll read out of 222 to 35. And it says, Jesus is blessed, um, by Simeon, and he takes him there, and this is kind of the first narrative about his early years. This is Luke 22 or 25 through 35. And so they take him to the temple and it says, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, um, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the land and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him and simeon blessed them and said to mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in israel and for a sign that is opposed a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that your thoughts from many hearts may be revealed to him Um, So this is what Mary's hearing about her child. You know, he's the Christ child. She knew, obviously, that something was different about him, but this is the moment when he's officially blessed by Simeon in the temple. Um, And then the very next story, there were some years in between, but the next story narratively in Luke is when um, they all go to Jerusalem, and, you know, the whole caravan of the family goes, and they leave Jesus in Jerusalem on accident. Uh, And it says, so I'm going to read now later in that very same chapter, 41, and his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And at first I thought, yes, I mean, he's teaching. I would be astonished, too, if I saw my child do that. But then um, his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And I... I don't think it's reading too much into the text to say that Mary's reaction here was not like, oh, this is the Christ child that's been blessed and Mm -hmm. prophesied over. She was like, why'd you do this to me, Jesus? You know, like, I have to think in that moment, she felt embarrassed like she felt shamed like you know they're in the caravan every other child managed to get in the caravan you know every other parent <laughs> knew where their kid was you know everyone was following along and here's Jesus this rogue child and I wonder if in the moment because you'd like to think you'd you'd say oh Jesus there you are I was so worried and she says how could you do this to me and um, and I think that that is like just our natural incl- inclination we're gonna compare ourselves she probably in that moment felt like a failure like she realized she'd gotten three days away and didn't have her child with her um so it's interesting to me how even Mary who knew she had the Christ child who was blessed in the temple by Simeon who was you know conceived by immaculate conception even Mary I'm sure felt like she was not parenting well or comparing her child to other children or he wasn't obeying or those things so I don't I want you to feel like we're in good company here when we're comparing our kids to other kids Um but it's interesting to me how my mood or my day can be so affected by how I feel as a parent um, when I'm comparing myself. You know, I can be feeling great and then something will come up, something will pop up, and it just makes me feel so terrible. Um, talking about now comparing, we compare our parenting to other parents, but we also compare our children to other children. Um, we compare athletic ability, musical talents, attractiveness, grades, intelligence, character, obedience. Uh, a few weeks ago, Stephen, I remember you said in the class, you know, your son walks up onto the baseball field and the first thing you're thinking is, is he better than these kids? You know, who's better? Where does he fit in in the order? And we just do it. You know, it's natural to do it. Um, and it was interesting to me because a couple years ago at our women's retreat, I led a breakout in the title of the group. I can't remember specifically, but it was like Parenting Our Uniquely Spirited Child or something. And the idea was for parents that have kids that have specific struggles or certain struggles or that are very difficult or have things in their life that make them hard and I thought well, maybe like three people will come you know this is the women's retreat and a third of the women at the retreat came you <laughs> know there were like 35 people in this oh, class <laughs> I mean it was amazing they just kept coming in and <clears throat> what kind of what that said to me is that um, we all feel like we have unique challenges as a parent and we do. I mean, this is not, there's no roadmap for parenting. And one of the only ways that we can feel like we're doing okay is to compare. Um, so I, I hope in saying that, that we know that we're not alone in feeling like always we want to know whether our kids measure up. Um, so when you're comparing yourself to other parents or you're comparing your children to other children through things like this, it usually brings up one of two feelings. It will lead you to feeling pride. Like, hey my kid is the best kid on the basketball team or my kid is on the honor roll or my child's going to Harvard and look at what a great job I did I feel so proud I must have done something right or um, you'll feel shame you know I don't measure up like Mary felt maybe in that moment like Adam and Eve felt in the garden like immediately you're aware of what you've done that was a failure um, so I want to start with pride for a second um, because when we compare these these two feelings come up and you have to do something with them you can't just sit in your moment of pride you can't sit in shame you know it creates a cognitive dissonance in our mind and so we have to somehow resolve it so i think when we are seeking to feel the pride when we're comparing because we want to feel proud um, it leads us to be pharisees you know in the bible we become these law keepers who are prone to be judgmental and to not show grace and to always look at how bad somebody else is you know the pharisees wanted to think they were perfect in keeping the law, but you have to know that they knew they weren't they knew they broke it Um, And I I was thinking about the woman that was caught in adultery, you know, and they're all surrounding her stoning her And as they're doing it something in them has to make themselves feel better about themselves You know, they all had sin they all had struggles and they're ready to put this woman You know to death and Jesus says hey who who without sin, you know cast the first stone And I think in that moment it's it was their way of making themselves feel better about themselves You know I can feel pride because at least I'm not that bad Um, Or you can feel shame which I think is more what we're prone to. And um, that shame leads us to feel like we're failures, like we don't measure up. And that can be difficult in parenting. So I think one of the biggest reasons we compare is um, because we feel ashamed. And I would say the first reason is to make us feel secure, to give us a perceived security. There's no roadmap for parenting, like I said. Um, if we are doing similar things to other parents at least we feel like we're not screwing it up that badly (laughs) like I'm not that far off the map Um, you know I think about this in the things we let our kids do 15 years ago if you said nine-year olds were gonna walk around with cell phones you know these little mini computers you would have been like what that's crazy and it starts you know some parents do it and you're like well I guess that's what my child needs you know maybe they'll be safe maybe they'll be whatever and then these kids are carrying around cell phones Um, so I think comparing um, and we have shame that leads us to doing what other parents are doing just for the sake of feeling like we are fitting in I think it gives us comfort You know if I make a choice for my child and some other parent is doing it Then I feel comfort in that I feel like I'm not alone um, I think it gives us reinforcement You know if my kid wants to go do X Y or Z and I say oh, you can't do that because Johnny's not doing that either uh, I think it helps us feel like "Oh, I can make a better choice um, but comparison is always 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 going to be a losing proposition for us we can't we can't stay away from it but it's going to always not be the best thing for us for two reasons really i think the things we're comparing to can change in just a heartbeat like you may have these things that you've lined your life up with and then it all changes um our 11 year old had a big fall in december who fell off a deck and landed on his head and he broke his back and he broke his wrist and he broke a rib. And in that moment, and this is so weird because I'm, you know, debating calling 911. He's, he's okay. I will tell you that so you're not worried about it. Um, but, you know, I'm debating calling 911 and he's telling me he can't walk, he can't feel his feet. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think he's paralyzed. What if he's paralyzed? And in five seconds, I have thought about him and what it's gonna be like now raising a child who's a paraplegic, you know, who's in a wheelchair, and how every construct that I had set up for his life, everything that made sense to me about parenting a child would just be gone because he would be this entirely other child who would be like over here. There's nothing to compare him to. I don't know any other parents that are parenting a paraplegic child. Um, and it was a, it was a terrible feeling because I thought, I wouldn't know how to relate to him. I wouldn't know how I was parenting him well. I wouldn't know if I was parenting him poorly. Like it just separates him from this thing. But in also a moment, I thought that's so freeing. Like I could just love him. You know, (laughs) I wouldn't have to worry how he was measuring up. I could just love him. Um, So that's kind of a more dramatic experience. But even in like simple, we've, we've moved three times in the last six, and a half years. And uh, our kids have been raised in three really different cultures so far. They were born in Colorado, you know, in the mountains of the West. And then we moved to South Florida, which is really like its own country. It's very (laughs) diverse. Um, And now we're in the deep South. And so for us, if we were comparing our kids or our decisions or our lifestyle, you know, to keep up with the Joneses, that would have been very difficult because the Joneses look different every place that we've lived. And I say this, to be funny, but also not like, I did not know what smocking was. I didn't know what a, I didn't know what a John John was. I didn't know what a bubble was. And we came here, you know, and I'm looking at all these kids in church and even my kids were like, wow. And uh, I was so glad I did not have toddlers here or babies here because I would have felt like, oh my gosh, my kids, don't look like these kids, I'm, I'm not dressing them correctly, I don't fit in, you know, here we come, sex on staff, and that lady doesn't even know what to put her kids in. You know, somebody, I was talking to someone before we came, and they said, well, what do your kids wear to church in Florida? I was like, shorts and flip-flops, and they were like, flip-flops? And I said, well, yeah. And they're like, like they were to the beach? And I said, well, no, we have beach flip-flops and then we have church (laughs) flip-flops. The church flip-flops are a little bit nicer. Um, So that's like a silly thing. Or we were trying to teach, we were trying to prepare them for yes, ma'am, no, sir. um, Because this will also be hard to understand, but in other parts of the country, like if I said yes, ma'am, It would sound cheeky or disrespectful you know someone might be like would you say to me you know if our kids were to say that Mm -hmm. to someone so we were practicing at home you know already go put your clothes away yes ma'am you know and I would (laughs) tell him all the time and they had come here they had just come here and his teacher asked him to do something he didn't understand what she said and he said what which was normal for us and she said excuse me what do you say and he was like um Yes, sir. You know, some poor guy. Um, so if you're, you know, if we were comparing ourselves, it, it can change. Your situation can change in a second. If that's what you have made yourself feel comfortable with, if that's how you've raised your kids to be on a standard of where you are, that will always change. Um, and the second reason that comparison is a losing proposition is because it focuses our attention on the wrong things. Um, Craig Ogard taught this class a few weeks ago and I remember he said the overarching story of our parenting is to point our children to Jesus you know, to the end that they have eternal life with him that's our goal for our children it's not to make sure they fit in it's not to make sure they don't look different it's not to make sure they're somehow measuring up in all these areas it's so that they know Jesus so really the goal of our parenting and all of our experiences on earth is that we should look different You know, if we are Christ followers, we will look different. So I wanted to spend most of the time talking about how we process, you know, living as a people that are prone to compare on this earth. We just will compare in this kingdom that's sort of here, you know, but not all fully here. Um, How do we as marked Christ followers still live in this world and look different as sinners? For our children, um, I think it's okay to tell them they're going to be different they should look different. Uh, we've had two middle schoolers at this. Our kids are 15, 13, 11, and 10 now. And at different points, each of our middle schoolers had come to us in tears saying, I just don't fit in, you know? And this is not to brag on them, because Lord knows there's other things they don't do great, but they're like, I don't want to use the language these kids are using. I don't want to look at the things these kids are looking at on their phones. I don't think these things are funny that they're joking about. I feel really different. And, you know, it's we said to them, it's okay. Like I understand, you will feel different. This is an area where you're not comparing yourself is going to leave you leaving. It's going to leave you feeling different or feeling short. You know, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, a city on a hill should not be hidden. Let your light shine before men. So as Christ followers, they will look different. And so I, we, Zach and I encourage our kids to pray. Pray to God about it. He hears your heart. You know more than anyone else that walked this earth. Jesus felt different. He was different, obviously. He came with a very specific person. He came to stand out. He was misunderstood. He was misunderstood until he went to the cross. He felt different, and he understands that. Like, I believe he feels the sting when our children feel different or when we feel different from making a parenting choice that isn't popular or that doesn't fit in. Uh, And then I would remind them of their true freedom. Like they're freed from feeling like they have to fit them all. Like they have to receive recognition from their peers. And we are free from feeling like we have to have the approval of other parents or we have to justify our actions to other parents. Um, And so that is what I would love us to encourage our kids to do. And then for ourselves, I would love for us to feel like we can parent out of conviction from the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God, not from the world or what the world is telling us to do we can parent out of ordination like we have been ordained to be our children's parents um you know in psalm 34 it says um not a hair of our head you know god god ordained every day of our life he ordained every moment he ordained every hair on our head and i believe that goes into our children and their children's parents like he specifically chose us to parent each one of our children And sometimes I think we get so caught up in comparing ourselves to other parents and our children to other children that we forget to see who our kids really are. You know, the unique gifting that they have and the unique relationship that's in front of us. You know, when we forget to see them as a gift and as a perfect plan in our family, we can make them feel like they're not enough. You know, they can get this message like I'm not good enough, I'm not obviously doing something my parents want or need me to do and then it's passed on to them and the comparison cycle continues. If I feel like I'm not a good enough parent, they feel like they're not a good enough kid, they're gonna grow up to feel like they're not a good enough parent. Um, so we help them, we can make them feel like they're not enough. We can make them feel like um, they're not allowed to see their own unique giftings. Um, when I played tennis in college, and Zach was a voice major, and none of our kids play tennis or sing or any of those <laughs> things. Um, I don't think it's, maybe it's not their unique gifting, maybe it will be, but if I only had my agenda or what I felt like they should be doing or what was you know important to us for them, then I would miss what God might have called them to. And it could be totally different than something we're interested in or totally different than something most of their peers are interested in. It could be something really unique for them. Um, so, we can miss what could be great for them, and I think we can also push them into something that might not be great for them. I had a friend tell me, she's older now than I am but when she was in high school her parents really wanted her to be a cheerleader like to them that was ultimate success that meant she fit in that meant she was like they had done well as parents she was you know on this path and she said I really really wish that they hadn't pushed me to do that because they thought I had this great life and I was a successful child but I was hanging out with these kids who were drinking and partying and they were miserable and she said it was really one of the worst parts of my high school experience and my parents thought that was success you know so not only can we miss putting them into something uniquely that they're gifted for but we can push them into something that's not the best for them uh, and then our children know when we're comparing them with others you know they're naturally gonna have their own inner voice saying they're not enough we all feel that nobody needs to tell you you know hey you're not so great we feel that on our own um, they don't need to hear that from us they really don't and so what I want to encourage us um, today in this class is what what they do need to hear You know, it's what we all need to hear, uh, that we love them. We love them just as who God made them to be. We love them. They're not a project for us. I run an early intervention program for the state. We service children with developmental disability and delay. And so most of my job is bringing in specialists and therapists to these families' homes to give families strategies to help their children. And it's easy to feel like your child is a project. You know, something is broken. We're going to come in. We're going to tell you how to fix it, get them back on the path, and they're going to be better. And we had a big training a few weeks ago. And the man that led the training said, the goal of what we do is to help these parents enjoy their children again. You know it's not to fix them it's not to get them on the right path so they're good enough it's just so that they can enjoy their children and I was really struck by that uh, I was doing a word search on parenting when Cameron asked me to talk about this and the most popular verses that came up were ones that talk about generational sin how we pass this on to our children we all know that um, so I wanted to think about obviously we unintentionally pass along not great things but what can we intentionally pass on to our children you know the message we tell ourselves is what flows down to them so these are the things I would like for us to take away with ourselves and I think these are things we need to do for ourselves and do for our children we rehearse God's faithfulness Uh, in Joshua 4 It says on the tenth day of the first month the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho and Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God." But we're called to rehearse these moments, you know, where God provided in a miraculous way for the Israelites, not once, not twice, but continually, you know, remind our children of that. Remind them of instances in your family where God has been faithful, where things were hard, where things were scary, where you felt different and God showed up, where he was faithful. Um, Refocus on him. Instead of feeling shame, instead of feeling pride, bring the focus back to God. You know we're naturally prone to just look at ourselves, you know, to curve in, to see how bad we are, how sinful we are, how prideful we are, how great we are. Um, but instead of our kids seeing us model comparison to ourselves, to others, let them see us model worship. You know, let us worship in front of our kids. Uh, let us refocus ourselves and refocus them on their Creator, on our Creator, the one that sustains us, the one that is incomparable. Next, um, reconcile with others. If we are constantly comparing our children, they're going to feel it. You know, if we're comparing ourselves, we're going to feel it. We may feel tension with other parents. We may feel tension with our spouse, with our kids. Um, It's a push and a pull. It's never enough. And that can strain relationships, for sure, with our kids, with others. But I want to remind us and our children of the power in Luke 1, 16 through 17, it says, God will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, God promises. We've not done this perfectly. You know, we may have communicated a message we didn't intend to. We may have hurt our children. There may be some sort of rift in relationship, but it is never too late. You know, God will turn hearts of children to their parents and hearts of people to the Lord. Next, I want to remember our competence and our children's competence is always, always and only found in God. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, Um, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Our competence as parents only and ever comes from God. He is the one that created us to be parents, and he will equip us. Also in Philippians 1, 4-6, it says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We can realize our failings. We're never going to be perfect parents. We're never going to be perfect kids. That's why Jesus came. That's why we needed a Savior, so that He could do something that we could never do. And then lastly, we can rest in Him. Uh, we rest in the knowledge that ultimately we are our children's earthly parents, but God is their Father. He's their Creator. He's got them. Like, he loves, loves, loves our children. Um, I've told this story before, so I'm sorry if you've heard it, but I was diagnosed with cancer when our oldest was three months old. And I remember the night I was Agnes crying out to God and saying, This just seems so unfair you know, unfair to me, but unfair to this baby who, you know, all he's known for his whole life is his mom. Zach was in seminary still, he was working a ton, he was never there. It was like me and this baby all the time. And um I thought, How could God, you know, take me out of the game? Like I'm his mom, you know, either literally take me to heaven or at least for the period of treatment, you know, cancer brings a lot of time where I had to be out you know radiation and surgeries and all those things and um I heard God say to me in that moment I love you I have a plan for you I love you so much I love your son I would not I know what it feels like as a parent to watch your child suffer you know Jesus or God was the ultimate parent who sent his son to die for our sins like he gave him up brought him into this world knowing you know with great intention that he was going to die and I felt like he said to me I never would have given him up for that I never would have brought him to this earth to die if it didn't mean that in doing that I was uh, gaining my son or I was gaining your son you know he gained his son for eternal life and yours and yours and all of your children and us you know not just us our children all of us he wouldn't have done that had he not had a great it wouldn't it wouldn't have made any sense for him so he feels our pain as parents he feels the suffering that we feel and it is not without great intention that he did that so that is the kind of God that is for us as parents that's the kind of God that loves us he's on this journey with us where we will be prone to compare so if we cannot stop comparing which is hard I would love for us to compare the sacrifice that God made for us to the freedom that it's given us as parents And the freedom it's given our children to embark on this journey they're free to fail we're free to not measure up we're free to not be perfect our confidence as I've said you know through these other things doesn't come in who we are or what we're able to do as parents it comes in who and who God is and what he's done for us what he's secured for us Uh, and I want us to go remembering that his word for us is that you are loved and that you are enough and I would love for us to share that word with our children that's it. Does anybody have any questions, anything y'all thought of when I was talking, anything you struggle with particularly? That
0: was so good. Thank you so much. That was really, really good. Um, But one question I do have is we have, you know, a four- and a six-year-old, and sometimes I struggle with my words to tell them that I love them so much, but that the Lord loves them even more Mm -hmm. without them hearing me say, I don't love you as much as someone else, so can you speak to that? Like, how do you say that to, to little ears? That
1: I think it's okay. I mean the one thing Zach and I are experts on in parenting is apologizing to our kids because we mess up. And I think even at four and six, they'll see that. You know, they'll see you yell, they'll see you forget something, they'll see you mess up. And I think it's okay to say, I'm human, I can only love you. You know, I'm loving you as much as I can and it's only this much and God's love is this much. You know, and that's the power that we have. That love will never change. I'll screw up. I think it's okay to say that. I'm not perfect as a human. Emma loves to tell me that I don't love her as much as God. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, maybe she'll come back to that moment when it's like, well, I don't feel like he loves me, but at least I know God loves me. It's hard, but I think it's okay. Like I said, our kids are going to feel like failures anyway. We're going to feel like failures. They're going to see us as failures. It's okay to be honest about that and say, thank God that it's not all on me, you know, that he'll meet you in that. Any yeah. No, I was just going to say, any suggestions on, like, even and Lincoln with young kids, but just kind of foundational to, like, kind of start the process of, like, you know, you don't have to compare yourself to others? I don't... Um, I think a lot of it is modeling. Like, yeah. I just, I've been thinking about this so much, and I'm doing it, like, yesterday our daughter had a very her very first volleyball game, you know, mm-hmm. and on the way home she wants to know, like... Was she the worst or was she one of the better ones or where did she fit in? And I started to be like, well, so And I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't do it. You know, just say, did you enjoy it? You know, did you feel like you worked hard? Did you learn something? That's great. That's really great. You know, it's I think a lot of it is just modeling. We don't have to have that vocabulary. Like, that's not how we have to see ourselves. And that's kind of what I was getting at when it's like refocus them on worshiping God. You know, so when they start to feel. You know, ashamed or embarrassed. Look at the one who took our shame. You know, and that'll be different for little kids, but you'll yeah. see it pop up. Yeah. You know, when they're in trouble, if they've done something wrong. It's not like, how could you? You're so bad. It's like, yeah. here's our savior. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Right, awesome. how, would you
1: speak a little bit to navigating competition between things uh-huh. and Yes. Especially? Yeah, I said that, well. and I didn't talk much about it. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> totally hard uh, yeah, our kids are routinely saying, like, so-and-so is your favorite. And it changes, you know, all the time when they say who they think our current favorite is. Um, that's hard. It's really hard. Because even if we haven't said anything, they're comparing. Um, I think individual conversations, you know, affirming their gifts, affirming what is, you know, you appreciate about them, affirming what they do well. Again, refocusing on the Savior. I think telling them. They're all different, Like they're gonna, and they're going to feel our love in different ways. They're going to feel like they don't measure up. But we talk a lot about, like, we're Team Hicks, you know, we're for each other. If there's a place that you should feel safe, it's in your home. So we're not comparing you, you're not competing against each other, you know, your victory is your victory, and we can celebrate with each other. I think for us it's just like trying to beat that message into their head. <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard. Yeah,
0: Sarah? Okay, what Emily said, um, we have two little boys that and we realize about a year ago that we were adding to that competition unknowingly. Yeah. Yep. Little things like,
1: All right, first one upstairs and reach their teeth. Yeah. Well, you know, like
0: anyways, a therapist or a feelings doctor told us to not any more competition that is already there. Yes. You know, and, <clears throat> um you don't realize that you're doing it, but when you label one child, like we we might not do it with our words, but kids know when they're the good one. Yeah. I'm the difficult one, or even positive ones, like, oh, he's the athletic one. Well, the other one's like, I guess I'm not athletic. Or Mm -hmm. You know, just how we label them by our words that we use, with each one. Just trying to, you know, our kids will be like, I beat you. I ate dinner first. Like, we all say it's not a competition. Like, tangible things like that that we are, are, you know, trying to take out of our vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, and Andy grew up with a, a brother that was 13 months older, so that was, a, you know, competition was, like, his name, you know. Yeah. I still have to, like, remind them, like, let's, you know, cool that fire, you know.
1: I think that's a great point because we're prone, our kids are prone to do it. I've got three boys who are, you know, yeah. four years apart. If there's ever a comparison and competition, it's in our home. I think that's a good reminder yes. So we're not about that. Anyone else?
0: I think it seems like... And one thing they're competing for a lot of times is our love or our attention. Mm-hmm. And one thing we've always said to ours is when, when they were little, and now they just complete the sentence. We're like, there's nothing you can do to make me love you any more or any less than I do right now. Yeah. It's not about what you do. You know? I love that. Thank you i love that Maddie, i think sometimes we're refocusing I, mean, I think they put the pressure on their blood they're of the flesh just like us mm-hmm. so they're putting all this pressure mm-hmm. i mean our son came home and he had made like a, a b on his end and it was shocking how steady was mm-hmm. and we were like why would you think we would be upset if you're trying your hardest and mm-hmm. taking pride in what you do if you're trying mm-hmm. your very hardest and you get a B, like we're with out and we never said verbally that we expected a's but he and his mind yeah. I kind of created that, and of so yeah. just refocusing on after a game being like, if he's like, oh, i didn't play well, but like, did you have fun um, with your friends? Did you, mm-hmm. you learn something? And like refocusing mm-hmm. on what's important mm-hmm. versus the actual achievement. Yes. Um, to take some of that, like, n- comparison yeah. not being enough.
1: Yeah. It. I think that's great. Right. It's interesting
0: how they... It is.
1: I mean, they'll do it naturally. We don't need to teach them how to compare. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me close in prayer, then we can go. Dear Lord, thank you for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice that you sent him to give us freedom from comparison. Thank you that in your eyes, we are enough and we are more than enough. We are your beloved children. I pray that as we preach that to ourselves, that we could preach it to our children, that we would go in that peace today and every day, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.